and I didn't record any of that introduction, so sorry, podcast people. Uh, but I, I took some of the screenshots off of the web for you here. The, the cycle of sin, which it really cracks me up because what's at the top of the cycle? Israel serves the Lord. If, it may be horribly blurry because it's, again, a bad screenshot. I'm not great at stealing other people's stuff. Uh, it starts at the top with Israel serves the Lord. Why are we calling that a cycle of sin? Now, do we all sin and fall short of the glory of God? Yes, we do, according to Romans, which is the Holy Spirit divinely inspired word of God. And it's really interesting that Judges itself never refers to itself as a cycle. That's something we, in, the, in our high seat of judgment, we look back on ancient people and say, oh, they were just so terrible. They always turned their back on God. Well, Paul took care of us in the New Testament. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. I actually uh, pastored a guy that believed once you got saved that you were incapable of ever sinning again. And I told him to prove that to me scripturally. And he struggled with it. Because, and he and I butted heads a lot on scriptural issues, but show me that in scripture that you'll never ever fall short again, that you'll never sin, that you'll never be led away by the lust of your flesh. Paul says you have to crucify it daily. Well, guess what? If you don't pick up the hammer and nails that day and nail your flesh to the cross, guess what happens? It's going to rise up. It's going to tempt you. It's going to lead you astray. And... Man, James, I don't like James. James is the guy that said, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, that's sin. Ouch. You mean, just that little thing I was supposed to do that day that was good for somebody else and I didn't do it? Yeah. Which, <clears throat> I'm not going to twist scripture to tell you every time you put junk food in your body and you know better. I'm, I'm just saying, there, there are some places that we just don't go. Because it hurts my toes too much. But <clears throat> I, I liked this graphic because it listed out the judges. Uh, Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Tela, Jair, Jephthah, Isbon, Elon, Abdon, Shimshon. Okay, when we get to Shimshon, you're, gonna, you're never going to call him Samson again because it's such a cool Hebrew name. Shimshon. Eli and Samuel. All these judges. And... The, the beautiful thing is I started to look at that and look at putting an intro together for the book of Judges. God always provided somebody to speak into the lives of the children of Israel and to convince them that, hey, you're sinning, but there's a God who's willing to redeem you. It was never, you're a bunch of dirty heathens and you deserve to burn in hell. That was never the message of the Judges. Now, do a lot of people get killed by the judges? Absolutely. Okay, if you don't like violence, Judges is not a book for you. Okay, my homeboy there, the third guy down, Shamgar, kills 600 dudes with a farming implement. Okay, a hand tool. Okay, anybody killed 600 of anything with a shovel? I'm pretty sure if Scott flipped over a a piece of tin on the farm that had 600 rattlesnakes under it, Scott might have a Shamgar moment. 
He says, no, I would, I would burn them. I will burn half the pasture down to take care of 600 snakes. I'm right there with you. You know, I might be throwing kerosene on it. Actually, I have a friend in Follette that has a recipe for uh, napalm. We will make sure it gets done. <laughs> He's the Baptist pastor, too. My anarchist buddy. All right. Moving on, here's another, another picture of the sin cycle of Judges. It almost sounds like a setting on the washing machine, the sin cycle. You know, does anybody want to throw themselves into the laundry today? But uh, a cycle of redemption where God is never going to let Israel be so far gone that he's not willing to bring them back. And I want you to understand, Israel will go way down into depths of sin that, that we just kind of skip over because we don't study the Old Testament very well. And near the end of Judges, uh, and I'll reference it here in a little bit, there's a moment where they are sinning on the level of Sodom and Gomorrah. I was so pumped when that came up in Sunday school this morning. It's like, I really doubted whether that was supposed to be in the message until Sunday school. And, and God just always shows up big. But uh, here's a chart that shows you this really cool fact I want you to see that Yes, they were subject to years of bondage and slavery and torment by these people that we talked about last week, that they didn't drive out of the land. They didn't conquer all of the territory that God had called them to, and they had neighbors who were pes pesky, pesky people. And guess what? They still have neighbors who are pesky, pesky people. And for the years of bondage, there's always years of deliverance and rest. I want you to understand that this same thing shows up in our lives as Christians. There's times where we're cruising along in the faith, walking on those mountaintop moments with God where nothing is taking away our rest is a simple way to put it. And then there's times we have to go down into the valley where it feels like we're in bondage. It feels like we're in struggle. It feels like constant conflict and robbing of our peace. I want you to understand that it always happens, that you're going to go through those same cycles, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God on the mountain that he is in the valley. And, and David understood that when he told us in the 23rd Psalm that when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. When I go through the hard times, when I go through the struggle, I know you're there. But in the good times, we are just like Israel. We tend to forget the good times are the good times because God's there too. And, and you can see here some of the judges and the years of deliverance. Uh, Jephthah only got six years of deliverance and rest for Israel. But there, there's more to his story we'll share another day. Uh, Shamgar's not on the list because the only two verses about Shamgar in the whole Bible are that he killed 600 Philistines with an ox goat and saved Israel. And then there's another reference just before Deborah becomes judge that says for the entirety of Shamgar's years, years as a judge, people were afraid to move about the land. I would be afraid too if there's a dude out there killing people with a, a farming tool. But it was like days of the Wild West. But we'll move on. 
Uh, and Samson only got 20 years of deliverance and rest, which Samson's one of those great cases that gives me hopes. Shimshon, okay? I, I, I'm going to get that. I'm going to never call him Samson by the time we're through with this series because it's going to be Shimshon. I mean, he sounds like a kung fu master. Anyway, but the book of Judges is another picture of God, and it's, it's following the same story that we discovered in Genesis, that God wants to partner with us to tell his story. He wants to partner with us to reach a lost group of people throughout the world, and that God chooses ordinary people to do this. I've already mentioned Shamgar a couple times because he's a farmer. God chose a farmer to deliver Israel from an army. And, and I've read some great stories in history. Um, we're just about to World War I in my world history class where we're going to get to talk about Alvin York. We're going to get to talk about Audie Murphy. We're, we're going to get to talk about these great war heroes that did really remarkable things None of them killed 600 guys with a cattle prod. And, and I'm not talking a hot shot. Those things are scary. I, I, I have bad memories of those and bad dares with cousins. But you, you think about the old style, just you know, take a fire poker and make it 100 times larger. It's not a tool to fight with. It's poke ox to get them moving. And this guy killed 600 people with it. 600 armed mercenary soldiers. I don't like those odds. And I would have been afraid to move around too. But God chose him. And it doesn't give us any more information as to why God chose him. So I want you to remember that when, when you feel like you're not able to go share the gospel with somebody, if God's leading you to share the gospel with them, go do it. God doesn't choose you because you're the best, the brightest, and the, the greatest example of a, a member of the flock. He chooses you because you're exactly what that person needs in that moment to hear his message of love. Who cares if you're not the wealthiest guy or girl in the room? Who cares if you're not the best looking? Here I am. And God still uses me. Judges also serves as a warning to us of how to deal with sin. I'm not going to just throw away the sin portion of this because I, I want you to understand and God wants us to understand that God deals with sin. He ultimately dealt with sin by allowing Jesus to die on the cross, but he still deals with sin because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as Dale alluded to, Leading up the song, Jesus is a friend of sinners. That is scriptural. That is not just a tagline we use in the Friends Church. That is in the Word of God. Jesus is a friend of sinners. Who did he sit with? And he got all kinds of rebukes from the religious leaders of the day. He sat with the publican and the sinner. He ate with them. His disciples sat and ate with sinners. Why? Because God has a heart for sinners. God's desire is to reach sinners so that they can turn around and reach other sinners. And that 
through one man, Jesus Christ, who is all man, he was all God. There's no doubt to this. And if anybody teaches you anything different, just wad it up, throw it in the trash, and set it on fire because it's a false doctrine. He was fully God, he was fully man, and he allowed himself to die on the cross for the destruction of sin. Where God wipes it out. The, we'll be told later in the New Testament that God casts the memory of our sin as far as the east is from the west. He lets us remember so that we don't fall back into blindly following the things of this world. Judges chapter 2 is where we'll jump in. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them. And they bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and they served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. And so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. He sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm as the Lord had warned and the Lord had sworn to them and they were in terrible distress. Now, Pastor, that doesn't line up with what you've been saying about God's mercy. Or does it? Do we really recognize our need for God when things are going good? And did God just send calamity on Israel or did they make choices that brought consequences? One of the greatest teachers for a young child is let them make a mistake and let them get hurt a little bit. And sometimes they do it on their own. I'll tell a story on Xavier. He gets to be the, the illustration today. Super Bowl Sunday, six years ago, I made some queso using a double broiler method on the stove. And Xavier didn't understand anything about a, a double broiler and been warned multiple times never to mess with stuff on the stove. Xavier decided he was a big boy, got his little step stool out and was gonna get his own queso. And he leans over and pushes too hard on that bowl and steam escaped from the pot that was underneath it and burned him right across. Right Okay, he's going to correct me. He spilt water out of it on himself. Either way, not doing what he's supposed to do, directly disobeying mom and dad, and guess what? A natural consequence. There are sins in our life that have natural consequences. People don't like to talk about that anymore, but we will for just a moment. If all you eat is Twinkies and Dr. Pepper, there is a natural consequence for that. It's called obesity and diabetes. There's a great parody song playing in my head, earning my diabetes. Oh. Okay, anyway, um, that, that's the Super Bowl party later. You know, we always do that. Uh, but we, we don't tend to think about that in the moment. Because in the moment, 
I'll tell you, a Twinkie and a Dr. Pepper are really good in the moment. And as an every now and again food, they're really good. But as an all the time food, it's not very healthy. And the children of Israel were choosing the unhealthy of the neighbors around them over God. And there was a natural consequence. You want to choose their gods and follow them, then you're going to choose to let them rule over you and plunder you. And I'm not going to put my hand of protection on you so that you'll learn a consequence. Now the thing about this, God didn't abandon them. He's a good father. And he raises up judges. The Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they went after other gods and bound down to them. And soon they turned aside from the way which their fathers had walked, and they, who obeyed the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge. And he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved by pity for their groaning because of all those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them, and bowing down to them. And they did not drop any of their practices or stubborn ways. There's, this is a picture of a large population of people that are in the church today. They want the goodness and the blessings of God, but they want to live their life exactly like the world. They want to do everything just like the world does, but still claim to be Christian. And this is where I struggle because we're, we're not called to, to be their judge, even though sometimes I really want to be not farming tool style judge, but get in your face and remind you that hell is real and sin separates you from God. And God's constantly working on me to remind me that I've got to deal with the beam in my own eye before I'm even qualified to talk about the speck in theirs. And if you've missed that in your relationship with God, then take ownership of that this morning that God's more worried about you and your relationship with Him than the people that you would cast judgment on. Now, that doesn't excuse you from going and telling them the truth in love. And that's hard too. But we're called to do hard things. See, the sin of Israel would be met with the consequences of their sin. And only when they cry out to God does he deliver them? And I think sometimes we've, we, we're just as guilty of trying to be as close to sin as we can and look just enough like the world that, that we'll be accepted because that, that's one of the greatest needs in humanity is we want to feel accepted. I've, I'm losing that need a little more every day. If if the world rejects me, I'm okay with it because it rejected Jesus. And if it was going to reject someone who loved them perfectly like Jesus, and they're willing to reject me because I'm just enough like him, I like it. Because none of them 
None of the people I see day to day, none of the people in my household are going to be the ones that I look into their face at the great white throne of judgment looking to hear one thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. If it got to the point where nobody ever wanted to hear me share the Word of God, I'm still going to share the Word of God. Because He's calling us to be something different than the world around us. And, and I get it. Sometimes we blow it. We mess up. We make mistakes and we sin. The difference between us and the children of Israel is we have to be quick to cry out to God and not wait for oppression and consequences to crush us and make us cry out. But this cycle of redemption is there, and he always delivers them. They will send to the same depths of depravity of Sodom and Gomorrah. You can go read Judges 19 and 20. I'm not going to preach that message publicly. But I want you to understand, you can go read it and go read the account of Lot and his visitors at Sodom and Gomorrah, and they are almost a mirror image of one another. And this is not the foreigners in that city are committing this atrocity. This is people in that tribe of Benjamin that are committing this atrocity. And God still redeems them. Now there's punishment that comes first, but God still redeems the children of Israel and brings them a judge. Now how's that fit us? How does this really fit us today? And and I think the answer lies in the parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. And I'll paraphrase it because we have a business meeting coming up and and sometimes I get bogged down in just the the beauty of this story. So I'll, I'll paraphrase it. There was a certain man who had two sons. And the younger son said, Father, give me all that's mine. Give me my inheritance. Which in that day was the equivalent of saying, hey, you're dead to me. And he went off into a faraway land and he spent everything. He wasted it on the pleasures of this life. To the point where he was completely broke and destitute. And he hit rock bottom as he was working for a farmer and slopping the pigs and thinking to himself, I can, that, that slop looks pretty tasty. I'm so hungry that I would almost eat that. And here I am starving to death, wasting away to nothing. And the servants in my father's house have more than enough to eat. I'll go home to dad and and I'll, I'll beg him to let me just be a slave in his house. And he started the long, the long walk home.
God wants us to recognize the sin in our life. He wants us to recognize that we're not perfect. And that in our own way, there's a little bit of the prodigal son in each of us. Sometimes I think we forget about that. We, We get salvation and we understand that we're no longer destined for hell, but we forget that there's still parts of our lives that are those unconquered peoples that Joshua warned the people about. There's parts of our life where if we let ourselves walk in that moment, we're just as rebellious as the prodigal son. And when we recognize those, when the Holy Spirit reveals it to us, we have to make that walk home. And I want you to understand that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've said that twice already this morning. Because I want you to hear it, that God never changes. God is still the good father of the parable who is looking. And while we're a long way off, no matter how much we blow it, no matter how far away we fall, God is still looking out into the distance. And he's not going to wait for us to come crawling to the porch. While the son was a long way off, the father began to run to him. And he fell on him and he wept. He kissed his neck and he said, My son who was dead is now alive. He put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and called for the best robe of the house. And he commanded his servants to kill the fatted calf and prepare a feast of celebration. I want you to understand that so many times we limit God celebrating in our lives to our salvation. I'm telling you, when you work with God, and as the Bible says, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, I'm telling you, God celebrates every victory in your life. When you finally walk away from the sin that weighs you down that they talked about in children's time. When you walk away from that, God is always running back to you. He's always looking to restore that area of your life. He doesn't desire that any part of your life be left in darkness or struggle, but that all of it would be in victory and wholeness. Sin wants you to think, I I can't confess that. I can't be free from that. And and dad's going to kill me when he finds out. Anybody have a disciplinarian for a dad? I I did. And and I thought dad was always out to get me for a long time. And, And I had the mindset for a very long time that I can't tell dad that he'll kill me. And then I got a speeding ticket on the 4th of July. I took my little four-banger S10, and, and I spun the tires on that thing three-quarters of a block. I mean, we were rolling smoke. And a buddy was doing it right behind me. We were celebrating freedom! It was 4th of July. <laughs> well, somebody else was out celebrating freedom, too. He had red and blue lights. 
he pulled me over, wrote me a ticket. Uh, I think the ticket started with reckless endangerment, uh, unnecessary demonstration of speed. And I don't remember what else he threw on there. I mean, he was tacking it on because he could. And, and I immediately, after getting that ticket, I drove my truck home and I, I parked it in the driveway where it'd be out of the way of the other vehicles. And I, I took the keys inside and gave them to my dad. And, and he looked at me like I had three heads and said, what's going on? And I told him I got a ticket. And you said, if I ever got a ticket, I'd lose the vehicle. So here's the vehicle. And, and my dad wasn't the disciplinarian in that moment. My dad was the one that said, you've already got your consequences. Here's your keys back. Make sure you don't miss your court date, pay your ticket. And just be smarter behind the wheel. My dad spoke to me in love in a moment where he could have been everything I imagined him to be. And I think sometimes we get the wrong image of God where we think that when we sin and when we mess up, that, that God's just going to be full of wrath and anger. Sometimes God will let you suffer the consequences of your sin because those are consequences. But God's not looking to heap on punishment for you. God's going to be just like my dad in that moment. He's going to toss the keys back. And I'll never forget this as long as I live, the way he looked at me and he said, thanks for coming and telling me. I think God desires that from us, that we would come and just tell him. God, I blew it today. I got ugly with that person. I shouldn't have. I lost my temper. God, I blew it today. You were laying on my heart to give to this person and I didn't. God, I, I blew it today. I watched or read some things that I shouldn't have, and I knew in the moment it was wrong, and I kept doing it. God, I ate terrible today, and I hurt my body. God, I thought some hateful things today. You know what? God is true to His Word. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. The, the painting that's up there is uh, by a Dutch master, Rembrandt. Actually, the original is by a Dutch master. I painted that a couple weeks ago in art class. Don't get excited. It's paint by number. I didn't do it by memory. But it, it's the return of the prodigal son. And a lot of times when people talk about the, the parable of the prodigal son, we, we spend a lot of time talking about the other brother who was judgmental, and, and he's not our emphasis today. The emphasis today is calling to us and all of us and the, the little bit of prodigal that may be in us and reminding us that no matter how deep our rebellion runs, God's love and His mercy run deeper. And that He doesn't desire for us to be ruled over by sin, but that we can walk in absolute freedom. You want to know how you love other people as much as you love yourself? You walk in freedom.
from sin. Because suddenly their sin won't matter to you anymore. Because you fully understand that God deals with sin. I don't have to deal with your sin. I have to share with you the love of the one who will. And I love how God deals with sin when we confess it. He forgets. Anybody have a forgetful parent? It's not a lot of fun for us on earth because when our parents get forgetful, it usually gets us in trouble or gets them in trouble. I love that God forgets my sin. That he throws it as far as east is from west. I'm a geography teacher and I can tell you the conundrum that causes for me because you can't ever stop going east until you turn and go west. And you can go a very long way. You can make loops around the earth before you ever go the other way. And God says, as far as those are separated, is how, how much I really remember your sin. But which one are you today? How do you view God? Is, is God waiting to crush you because you blew it? Or is God waiting to have a conversation with you and to be real and to lovingly restore you? And that's what the book of Judges is really about. We're going to look at more of the stories of the Judges. But it's not just a cycle of sin. It's a cycle of redemption and God desperately calling out to his people that I'm still here. I'm the same. I don't want you to chase after all these other gods. I don't want you to be like the people around you. And we're going to watch them keep falling until they finally say, God, we know what the problem is. We don't have a king like everybody else. And they missed it. God wanted to be their king. And God's going to give them what they want. And eventually, it's paving the way for them to see what they ultimately needed in Jesus. I love how the Bible builds on itself all the way to Jesus. And then from Jesus' life on this earth, it keeps building into our stories because we have a Father who loves us. Heavenly Father, thank you for today.